The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. James, you threw out questions or you threw out a, a tweet looking for questions. A bit of a mailbag show today and quite a response. So uh, might as well just get right into it. But before we do, anything you want to throw out ahead of time? Caveats, uh, things you got going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's... There's going to be a, a huge update to the top 400 prospect rankings coming Monday. Uh, it's going to be my most thorough update of the season. I've been working on it for a couple weeks, and I'll be working on it the rest of this week. And um, just really kind of turning over every stone and every system and um, really not only, I think, going to dramatically improve the the rankings the top 400 rankings but i think the the farm system rankings will uh, be as good as they've been all season after that so um there's going to be you know if you if you got like fab or uh that type of stuff in a dynasty league i think you're going to find some guys on that update that you're going to want to scoop up uh right away so um Really looking forward to, to pushing that live here, and that's what we'll talk about next week. Um, but then also tomorrow, I'm pinch hitting for Jeff Erickson on the Thursday podcast, and I'll be having Chris Welsh on. And oh, nice. among other things, I think we're going to have kind of a, a draft of uh, – players that we think will get assigned to the Arizona fall league and we'll kind of break those guys down. And uh, of course we'll probably talk about some guys that Chris has been seeing in, out in Arizona. So uh, look forward to that uh, tomorrow. Awesome. That is tomorrow, Thursday then. I knew you were pinch hitting for Jeff at some point soon, but didn't quite realize it was tomorrow. I look forward to listening to that with Welsh. Well, let's get into these questions. I want to apologize in advance if we don't get to some of these at the end. I think in all likelihood there probably will be some that we don't get to, but we'll try to get to as many as we can. 
Tate Schlichting wants to know, uh, why is Ryan Murphy of San Francisco not getting more love, Jane? Uh, well, he's he's going to get love. He's going to be up on the next uh, Top 400 update. Uh, I think, he, you know, when, whenever like a fifth round pick is making his debut um, a year after getting drafted, people are probably going to be a little slow to fully kind of appreciate how well they've been playing. Uh, but Murphy has been really awesome all season at, at low A and, and so far at high A. Uh, really, really strong command. Um, the stuff, you know, part of the reason he was a fifth round pick is the, the stuff wasn't like, you know, lights out or, or super electric uh, coming out of the draft. But he's got a, a high spin fastball that's going to play really well up in the zone. He's able to, to locate it in all four quadrants and he's got pretty decent off speed stuff to go with that. So Ryan Murphy definitely going to be up on the top 400 uh, update. that's going to drop here in less than a week. And, you know, he's going to have a, a big, you know, he won't have an up arrow. He'll have that blue plus mark of being added to the rankings, but he's definitely uh, trending up and, and has a chance to be in the rotation starter. At effects underscore prod on Twitter wants to know what is going on with Robert Poisson. Yeah, I have no idea why Oakland assigned Poisson to low A. Um, you know, we, I, I at least thought that he was maybe the least ready of those big name guys from that, that J2 class to be given an assignment like this. I, I felt like the Dominican Summer League was kind of the obvious place to send him not even the Arizona complex league. And, and they went the, the opposite direction and sent him to low a uh, just didn't make sense at the time. Obviously. I mean, honestly, if you told me Poisson was going to get sent to low a this year, and then you told me that he was going to have a 42% strikeout rate and like a 59 WRC plus, I would have been like, wow, that's actually, that might even be a, a tad bit better than, than I would have thought he would have done. Like he's just, he shouldn't be at this level at all. Um, he still hit three home runs, which I would have taken the under on that through 77 games, just given where his hit tools at. Um, but you know, I mean, you could, I, I, I was never that big on Poisson. Um, you know, he's probably like Eric Pena and Maximo Costa are probably coming back towards him. I had those guys ahead of him. Uh, but I mean, he's not in the class of like Hedbert Perez, certainly not in the class of Jason Dominguez from that, that J2 class. Um, so, you know, not surprised by the performance, just surprised by the assignment from Oakland. 122 Ks and 256 at bats for Poisson. It's not that hit tool, as you alluded to, not not where it needs to be quite yet. Uh, Cam Anderson wants to know, uh, he wants an update on Vaughn, Kelnick, Manoa, Trevor Rogers, and how they've shifted pre-debut expectations. Uh, Vaughn has been excellent, uh, especially over the past few months. I think he's a guy who I'm going to have a, a lot of exposure to in redraft leagues next year. Uh, Trevor Rogers has exceeded expectations, I would say. Uh, and that's from someone who has a lot of Trevor Rogers. Um, I mean, I just, even people highest on him probably couldn't have expected him to pitch this well. 
Uh, Manoa has basically been exactly what I thought he'd be. Uh, Jared Kalanick, obviously underperformed early. Um, he's kind of rounded into form of late. So, um, you know, on the whole, I would say Kalanick's maybe underperformed expectations, but I don't think like my opinion of Jared Kalanick from now going forward isn't very different from what it was when he was a prospect. Rex Roma's got a pretty interesting kind of strategy question here, not player specific, but he wants to know how does your strategic approach to prospects change the shallower the league is? How would you balance proximity versus upside? Yeah. In shallow leagues, all you care about is upside and proximity. Um, it doesn't have to be one and like, you don't have to have both those things, but if you don't have either of those things, then you kind of just cross them off. So, um, like pitching prospects specifically, if the pitching prospect isn't like months away from the majors, then I'm just not rostering them in a shallow league because so much can go wrong. If you're waiting on a pitching prospect for over a year, um, with hitters, you want either those absolute stud high upside guys in the lower levels, like guys who are in my top 25, or you want the guys who are knocking on the door. Um, so basically if it's a shallow league, you should be able to fill your prospect spots with guys in my top 25, top 30, top 40 or so. Um, you shouldn't have to dip much further down than that. And again, with like pitchers, if they're not really close to the majors, um, you know, I might make an exception for like the very, very top guys um, like Grayson Rodriguez, Max Meyer. They're not going to pitch in the majors this year, uh, but you could probably still justify rostering them. But um, for the most part, you're kind of ignoring pitching prospects. You're ignoring the sort of high-ish floor, um, not crazy high ceiling guys who are maybe in the 50 to 150 range of the rankings. Dagan Casali wants to know, Alexander Suarez on the rise, question mark. Uh, and then also, why was Levi Stout dropped from the top 400? So Alexander Suarez rising, Levi Stout dropping. Yeah, so Suarez, you know, I could see why you'd think he'd be on the rise. But while he's been performing, and I mean, Suarez is a really intriguing power-hitting prospect in the Giants system. Um, but he's, he's going to turn 20 this off season and he's in the complex league and, you know, being 19 and being in the complex league, isn't the end of the world, but you better not be showing that many flaws under the, under those circumstances. And obviously his, his numbers are great. You know, 339 average, uh, hitting for power, stealing some bases, but the, 33% strikeout rate, walk rate under 5%. Like, I think if you bumped him up to low A, he would really hit a wall. And he's kind of age appropriate for low A right now. So uh, I think he's kind of just treading water as a prospect. He'll stay on the top 400, but he's not going to be a big riser because we do have that looming fear of what happens when this guy actually faces good pitching. Because as Chris will tell you on tomorrow's show, the pitching in the complex league right now is pretty terrible. So the fact that he's striking out that much and not really walking that much against really bad pitching isn't very encouraging. Um, with Stout, 
Uh, I was just kind of concerned about the command. He's going to be back on the top 400 uh, next week's update. Uh, he'd been walking a few too many guys for my liking, but um, Stout will be back on there. Uh, but I will, you know, spoiler alert, uh, Matt Brash, who's another righty in that system, will actually be ahead of Stout on the update. So um, I like Stout, but I think Matt Brash is actually probably the, the better uh, pop-up guy in that system. Brian Lamaski wants to know, who are some of your favorite pop-up prospects for Dynasty Leagues this year? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Anthony Volpe, uh, who we talked about, is is probably the biggest one because he went from being off of the list to inside the top 15. Um, Joe Perez is a really good story in the Astros system. Uh, he missed a, a ton of time with injuries and then all of a sudden came back. I mean, he, he had pedigree. Volpe had pedigree, obviously, but um, Perez has just really impressed and really put himself back on the map. Uh, a big one who's going to be a, a huge, he's going to be an addition to the top 400 and he's going to be, uh, probably up inside the top 150, to be honest, is Dustin Harris, who's a first baseman in the Rangers system. Um, he's, he just looks the part, um, kind of came out of nowhere. He was part of the return, um, for Texas and the Mike minor trade. Um, from from Oakland and he's just the contact rate the uh, ability to get the barrel to the ball the hard hit rate that Dustin Harris is showing right now uh really really impressive so I'd, I'd strongly recommend scooping up Dustin Harris right now before uh next week's update if you can I, I scooped him up earlier this week in a dynasty league already um so there's there's three guys right there very nice. And then Jeter Downs, you had multiple questions about him. Uh, I was looking up his numbers and very underwhelming at AAA. Jeez. A 186, 274, 330. What's happened with him? I mean, the speed has still been there, 13 for 16 on the base pads, but it seems like the rest of his game is kind of cratered at the highest uh, minor league affiliate. Yeah, and uh, it's just – it's really bad on a, on a lot of levels because it, this, I thought Jeter Downs would be in the majors in the first half. Like my expectations for him this year at triple A were sky high. So when a guy comes out, I mean, cause he, he was really good. He had a little bit of a run at double A to close out 2019. Um, he's, he's going to turn or he already turned 23 so you would think that finishing 2019 at double A, you would think that working at the alt site, I mean, he supposedly impressed at the alt site last year. You'd think that that would basically count as, um, you know, double A and maybe even a little bit of a triple A level of uh, development um, during the pandemic. Then to come out this year at triple A and just, I mean, the hit tool is just a, a total mess. Uh, I know our buddy uh, Jeff Ponce has seen, downs a few times and has not been impressed uh so he's he's going to be well outside the top 100 on the next update i mean honestly he's a borderline top 200 guy at this point obviously he's got the proximity he's got a little bit of power a little bit of speed but uh just doesn't seem all that close to being ready for the majors 
All right, man. Well, continuing on here, more of your Twitter questions. Uh, John Hollingshed asks, any concerns about Jordan Groshan's lack of power this year? Yeah, I am a little concerned. Um, I wrote about him in in last week's uh, hard hit article because his hard hit rate, as you would guess, if the power is not really there, the hard hit rate is not going to be there. Um. You know, on the one hand, he's he's control, controlling the strike zone. He's one of the youngest hitters at Double A, so that's you know that's okay. Um, and I know that the power the, the thing with Groshans is we know the power's in there. It's kind of like with Tristan Casas of the uh, Red Sox. Like it's not an issue of is this guy going to develop power. Uh, he just has to get to it a bit more consistently in games. We know the power's in there with Groshans. Um, so I, I think he's still a top 30 prospect um, and might even be a, a buy low guy if someone else is worried about the power. Um, but I mean, I am I'm, I'm mildly concerned. Like I would have I thought he'd have more homers than he does so far. Next up, Derek Kowal. Koval, maybe? Not quite sure. Uh, thoughts on Edis Leonard and Ellie De La Cruz? Two names I'm pretty unfamiliar with. Yeah. Uh, they're, I mean, uh, De La Cruz is already on the top 400, but he's at the bottom of the top 400. He was just a guy that I added when someone graduated. Um, the Prospects Live guys are, are all over Ellie De La Cruz. Um, they're they're really excited about De La Cruz. Um, I don't know if I'm that excited. I, I'm not quite where they are on him, but he's he's totally, you know, one of the top pop-up guys this year. Uh, really athletic. You know, you can you could easily fall in love with De La Cruz's athleticism and his body and his projection. Um, you know, he definitely projects for plus power. Uh, he's a good runner right now. Um, you know, they, I think the hit tool is TBD. Uh, you know, you, you kind of worry about um, where the strikeouts are, uh, where the walks have been so far at low A, uh, where he is age appropriate. But you can't argue with the production. You can't argue with the athleticism. I mean, he's, he's a special talent. Um I think, you know, I'm I'm probably going to be kind of in the middle on this next update on him. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have him in my top 100. He'll probably be in the top 200, though. Um, Eddie's Leonard is a guy who's gotten less hype than Ellie De La Cruz, but he's going to be added to the top 400 as well. Um, I added him to the Dodgers top 20 the other day. Um, he's at, he opened the year at low a, now he's at high a, uh, he's 20 years old. Um, really kind of doing a bit of everything. He's hitting for power. He's hitting for average. Um, probably not. He's, he's a little thicker. I don't think he's going to be a big speed guy, but I think he could be a, a four category guy. So, um, Leonard has been a, a pop-up guy as well. And not that he didn't perform in the lower levels, but I mean, the Dodgers had such a stack system that he wasn't really um thought of as like a, a big potential riser this year um kind of overshadowed by some other guys but uh really impressive for a 20 year old to have 16 home runs in uh, less than 80 games at low a and high a uh and he's 
he's taken his walks and the strikeout rates actually gotten better since that bump from low A to, to high A. So uh, very high on Leonard. Um, he's someone that I think you should add right now in, in deeper leagues because he's probably still out there. Um, and he, he'll actually probably be ranked uh, right right around where Ellie De La Cruz is, um, even though De La Cruz has, has a bit more height. Well, before we move on to more of your Twitter questions, let's first throw to a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now we're back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson and James, you do the heavy lifting on every one of these shows, but all the more so this week where I'm going you Twitter questions one after another. So I appreciate your thought. Continue on here. We'll have to pause uh, in a little bit as I bring you a, a read or two. But in the meantime, James, thoughts on Brett Beatty? Where does he wind up defensively? Will Scott wants to know any chance he makes the team out of spring training next year? That's B-A-T-Y. Yeah, I would say zero percent chance that he makes it out of spring training next year. And he's not even a lock to debut next year. Um, Is it pronounced Beatty or do we know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought, but it's um, just spelled Batty. Yeah, that's right. um, now, I think he's... So I, when, whenever, whenever we talk about Beatty, I think it's worth talking about Mark Vientos as well, because I actually prefer Vientos. Uh, Vientos hits the ball harder. He's got more game power right now. Uh, maybe you could take Beatty over Vientos in an OVP league, but I think strikeouts are an issue with both guys. So I'm not projecting either guy to be much more than like a 250, 260 hitter. So I actually like Vientos more and Vientos has to be added to the 40 man roster this off season, whereas Beatty doesn't have to be added till next off season. And uh, Beatty's probably got a better chance of sticking at third base than Vientos. Like Vientos might have to move to left field or something like that. 
but just given the sort of log jam ahead of Beatty, like you have Vientos, um, you have JD Davis, obviously, uh, you know, I, I just don't see any reason to rush him to the majors. So maybe he's up next summer, but I like, I'm not going to be taking him in like draft and holds or anything like that next year. I just think that he could use another full year at double A AA and triple A before he makes his debut. John Dobos uh, says Kevin Smith just got called up by Toronto. Could he be impactful? He could be uh, the key word there being could uh, he, he could be um, now. I mean, Kevin Smith's a, a pretty good story. Uh, he was, you know, he, he put up big numbers a few years ago, then uh, had a really rough showing in 2019. And then we didn't see him until, again until this year, obviously. So, uh, I, I think it's probably more fool's gold than anything. His numbers at triple a, he's got pretty significant home road splits. Um, uh, you know, I think the, the hard hit numbers aren't that impressive for Kevin Smith, but in the short term, and I think his stolen bases probably oversell his stolen base upside in the majors too. Uh, but in the short term, uh, there, there could be playing time available. Um, you know, we've got, you know, Kim Digio's on the, on the IL. Uh, they've been doing Santiago Espino a little bit at, at third base. Um, Ravik Valera a little bit. Uh, so I, you know, I think that Kevin Smith has, has a higher ceiling for fantasy than those guys do. Uh, obviously I don't, I mean, that's not going out on a limb, but I would, I would predict that Kevin Smith strikes out a lot and doesn't hit for a very high average in his first cup of coffee. Now, I think I could take this next one, James. Sean Perry asks, any chance Julio Rodriguez comes up in September? I would say zero. Anything else you want to add to that? No. I think you you <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I killed it. Yeah, I took that one, so that's my <laughs> – that's my heavy lifting for the day. I mean, you could you could uh, you could chime in on this next one too. Yeah, I'm still playing the stash game in stake league. I might be buying a stake for the first time in <laughs> half decade or so. Half decade. I love when <laughs> love that terminology. It was five years. Um, but also with that September thing, you know, we're not getting expanded rosters. Do they even expand? Do they expand to 27 or are they just 26? The rest of the league? I think it's 28. Oh, okay. But we probably won't see a big influx, I, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, Gabriel Garcia does ask about Bobby Wood Jr. Has he exceeded your expectations as a prospect? Is he more of a Trevor Story or Bo Bichette for fantasy? Yeah, he has exceeded. My, he, I mean, he hasn't exceeded our expectations coming into this year, but my expectations back when he was drafted, uh, I'm, I'm just – I'm not going to give guys like that usually the benefit of the doubt and the full sort of buy-in on them hitting for a high enough average, making enough contact until I see it against pro pitching. Um, because the, the biggest concern with wit when he was an amateur was the hit tool. Uh, we knew about the power potential. We knew about the speed. We knew about everything else, the size, you know, the, the makeup, all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, he, he had his moments in the AZL when he debuted, but, it was kind of, you know, if you were worried about Bobby Witt's hit tool in the AZL, he didn't really do a ton to dissuade you of that. 
And like CJ Abrams uh, put up way better numbers. Marco Luciano looked better there too. So um, it wasn't really until uh, more recently that, that wit did start to look the part of, Oh, like this guy might be like a monster prospect. Like, you know, it, even back in the AZL, you could see him being like a top 10 to top 15 prospect, but um, he's, he's exceeded my expectations. I would have said, I doubt that Bobby Witt's probably ever going to be a top one, top two, top three prospect uh, back before he got drafted. And that's, that's where he is. He's, he's number two. Uh, him and Julio Rodriguez are kind of one, a one B honestly, like there's a, there's a huge dip um, once you get past those two guys. And so, you know, uh, as to Trevor Story, Bo Bichette, um, I think he's he's more Trevor Story just from a skill standpoint, like prime Trevor Story. Uh, because with Bo Bichette, it was all about the hit tool, and you knew that the the hit tool was special, uh, the bat speed was special, the the two strike approach was special, and that was going to lead to him getting to that power and him him using his speed on the bases. Whereas wit is more like story where it's power over hit and he's going to hit enough. Like he's not going to torpedo your batting average or anything like that. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be more like 40 homers, 20 steals, whereas Bo Bichette's more like 25, 25 or 30, 30. And, and Bo Bichette's just got a better hit tool than both those guys. And, and I think that that's, that's not really debatable. Kind of mad at myself for buying into that preseason talk about Wit. Maybe, I mean, br- cracking the opening day roster seems absurd now. He's still not with the team, and Alberto Mondesi's had one thing after another. It seems like the organization's kind of turned on Mondesi. They're saying they can't count on him as an everyday guy, and I don't know. We'll see if Wit ends up debuting this year, but I'm not. I, I don't know. I kind of the, the think it's a like long shot say- now. It's more likely that Witt's up this year than Rodriguez, but I would still say it's like less than 10% chance. Um, but the reasoning, the reason why I could see Witt being up is that I think the Royals will be open to Bobby Witt breaking camp with the team next spring training. Whereas I do not think the Mariners will entertain that with Julio Rodriguez. Like the Mariners have proven they're a service time manipulating team. Um, the Royals, I think Witt might already be up if the Royals were in the hunt for a playoff spot. But the Royals will, I think, keep an open mind with Witt next spring training. So if if they're going to let him break camp next spring training, then bringing him up down the stretch this year doesn't really cost you any service time with him. So um, I think there's a chance we see Witt. I think there's a 0% chance we see Rodriguez, and we probably don't see either yeah, I guess Dayton Moore was just saying what he had to say in the preseason to kind of protect his ass, but uh, that was a long shot, and uh, I should have should have seen that. I know our own, well, you and our own uh, Scott Jenstead were humping the brakes on that. Uh, M. Taylor asks, is John Kenzie Noel someone we should be buying, or will he get exposed now that he's been promoted to high A? John Kenzie Noel. Yeah, he's such he's a fun prospect, but he's he's a unique uh, a unique prospect because he's a you know he's a first baseman all the way, and you know he looks like a first baseman. He's just he's huge. He's going to hit for a ton of power. Uh, he his exit velocities are, are off the charts and everything like that. Um, 
you don't usually see first base guys like that, you know, those, those kind of classic slugging first basemen, they usually strike out a bit more and walk a lot more. Uh, Noel didn't really walk at all at low A, but he also didn't like his strikeout rate was elite for a teenage first base prospect who's getting his power in games. So, uh, you know, I, I struggle to come up with like a comp, um, on John Kenzie Noel. Um, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe he's like Raphael Devers or something like that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like him. I like him a lot. I mean, I, I think he, he'll probably be in the top 100 on this, this next update. Um, but he, I do, I, I'm not sold that high A is going to be smooth sailing for him because he is so aggressive and there's a chance that when he gets that bump, whether it's from low A to high A or from high A to double A, there's a chance that when he hits that next level of pitching, they're, they're able to exploit that approach. So um, he, he's really interesting. I'm really excited to see how he, how he finishes the year. Now the Ulysses sect has a two part question here for you. First off top seven starting pitching prospects heading into 2022. You have your new big update coming, but of course you will make additional changes before the, uh, you know, the official magazine top, top prospect list. Do you have an idea what that top seven starting pitching list may look like? So, um, I would say barring an injury, Grayson Rodriguez, Max Meyer, Shane Boz, and George Kirby will be in the top seven. Those four are basically locks to be there if they're healthy. But I'm going to kind of cop out and not go beyond that. <laughs> like, I, I really think there's just so much up in the air, um, even with – less than a month left in the minor league season. I mean, like I like Reed Detmers a lot. Uh, he's been up and down in the majors so far, but I mean, if, if he, if, you know, when I um, pull up the hood and, and see how he, how he did in the majors, like during the off season, like Reed Detmers could be in the top seven. If I'm, if I'm kind of buying uh, his stock long-term uh, Kate Cavalli's, you know, he's kind of been a little up and down since getting pushed to the upper levels, but I mean, he's got the stuff to be there for sure. Uh, like I'm, I'm not out on Jackson Cower yet. And Jackson Cower is going to be a big part of their, the Royals rotation next year. So he could be there. Uh, Nick Lodolo could be there. Jack Leiter could be there. Hunter Green could be there. Um, you know, Tanner Houck probably would be there, but he's probably gonna be graduated by then. Um, Josiah Gray, if he's still eligible, could be there. Like, there's there's a lot of guys in that mix. So I'll, I'll just give you those four, Grayson Rodriguez, Max Meyer, Shane Boz, and George Kirby. And then there's there's a pretty big drop-off after those guys in terms of how competent I am. Then the second part of his question was, please rank Bellinger, Jared Walsh, Mancini, Schwarber, Dom Smith for 2022. That's, uh, that's kind of tough. I'll, uh, I'll just say I'd probably go – Hmm. I, I may still have actually no, I think I'm gonna go Walsh, Bellinger, Dom Smith, Mancini, Schwarber. And that's kind of tough. I don't know. I'll have to think about that a little bit. I'll say Bellinger, 
Bellinger. I think Man uh, Bellinger is my clear number one, and then Walsh and Mancini is kind of a toss up for number two, number three, and then I'll go Schwarber. And then I'll go. I'll head down Smith last. I mean the the DH will be there next time we have a season. So I wonder if that might like Dom Smith has kind of not lived up to my expectations for him as a hitter this year, but um, I think he might be a nice sort of uh, rebound candidate next year. And mm-hmm. I think the price will be um, pretty favorable on Dom Smith. So you're still a Bellinger believer, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to discount him. Entirely. I just, what I've seen from Walsh this year has been pretty impressive. I mean, Walsh has been falling off so hard. Walsh has been like, you compare Walsh as like first two months to his last two months. It's been night and day. So, yeah, that's um, true. And I, I mean, I'm going to just, I really hope the price on Bellinger is as low as I'm thinking it might be next year. I think he's just a, a awesome uh, value potentially next year. All right. Then there were a couple questions about Christian Robinson. I know he's been dealing with some mental health struggles and a bit of a legal situation, right? Yeah, that all that news all kind of broke uh, yesterday. Just a really, really sad story. Um, <clears throat> I think that the the cop and the judge in question here um, really should be ashamed of themselves. Um, just, I read that story in the athletic about how the cop wanted him punished uh, to the letter of the law. And the judge was like being a real hard ass about the sentencing. But I mean, I think you have to show some compassion, um, for a guy who is not a U.S. citizen. And so the, the ruling that they handed down, um, it basically, puts his entire livelihood in, in jeopardy and it separates him from his, his child and his, and the mother of his child, because, uh, he just, he's kind of in the Bahamas indefinitely now. I think like MLB would have to basically use their political clout and kind of step in here, uh, to help Robinson, get a visa back to the U S now that he has a felony on his record. And it's just, it's really shameful. I think, I mean, he obviously, he made a mistake, but he's, he's a good guy. Like he, he's not a bad guy. Um, and he, he went to a lot of trouble to try to, uh, get seek help before the, the, the court even ordered him to do so. And, um, it's it's just a real bummer. Like you have you've guys like Jose Reyes and like Tony Larusa who've done much worse things, and like their ability to, to work in baseball wasn't impacted at all because they were U.S. citizens. And it's just it's really sad. Um, I you know I I hate talking about like the dynasty value of a guy like this. Um, it's just it's really it's really tough, but. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not looking good. I mean, you'll, you'll see where I have them or don't have them on next week's update, but uh, I'm more just really sad about the whole situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, don't think he's gonna, I don't think he's going to be playing in the U S anytime soon. 
That's a real shame. Well, before we move on, James, I do have to pause to take care of some business here. If you'll bear with me. Uh, if there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette. Double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Also, NFL is back on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 guaranteed for NFL Week 1. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can claim that free RotoWire sub. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Now, here's a really interesting question, and I'm not sure exactly how this works, but uh, do you have any idea? Van Isle Roto wants to know, would the minor leagues still play if there is a work stoppage next season? I would assume uh, yeah. no, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I from what I can tell, they played during previous work stoppages. Uh, obviously, guys on the 40-man roster are part of the union, and they would not play. Um, but I don't think there's anything stopping the rest of the minor leaguers from playing. Um, maybe some of them, maybe some of them wouldn't like out of solidarity. Uh, maybe some of them would just because you that know, wouldn't they, this, that wouldn't be like crossing the picket line if they if they play. no I no I think I mean I think that the big league guys would would probably tell them to go out there and play. You know I mean just make not sure to you, don the big league uniform and be replacements. You know? Right, right. Um, so I, I mean, I, I think they probably would. I think there would be minor league seasons uh, if there was a work stoppage. Um, so I mean, I, I don't, I don't think a work stoppage would necessarily impact the development of your guys who are not on the forty man roster. Ryan Weathers is kind of falling apart, and David Scott wants to know with what do you do with Ryan Weathers in Dynasty. <clears throat> that's, that's a tough call. Yeah, the I mean, Reds are Reds are right on their heels. The Padres. The <laughs> dude, the, man, it's been a really kind of a disaster, disastrous season for the Padres. And I think the signing, you know, Jake that, Arrieta. Woof. Man, yeah. I mean, it ties into like in almost on almost any other team, Ryan Weathers would have been sent to the minors like over a month ago. Uh, but they have just been des- – they have nothing really to turn to in terms of starting pitchers um, who can step into that rotation. 
And so he's kind of been, it's kind of been like a season long version of leaving your starter out there to wear it, you know, like, um, I am holding Ryan Weathers in dynasty leagues. Uh, I might be alone on that. I, I'm, I know I'm being stubborn to a certain extent with that stance, but, um, he's the youngest, you know, the, he's the youngest starting pitcher in the majors right now by a couple years, I believe. And, uh, the only guys his age that are pitching above high a, it's like, it's like three guys. Um, I forget exactly who off the top of my head, but it's like, most guys Ryan Weathers' age aren't even pitching at double A, let alone in the majors. So I think you, you can't like look at this and be like, man, this guy just sucks. He's always going to suck. Um, I, don't, I definitely don't think it's like that at all. Obviously, his, his confidence is probably getting impacted here. And um, yeah, I feel bad kind of for the guy that he's, he's stuck just going out there every fifth day, even though he, he clearly is, is kind of overmatched at this point. But um I'm I'm hopeful that we see kind of the the good version of Ryan Weathers next year in spring training. Uh, if if we do, I'll probably be back in even for like redraft, like at, at the end of drafts. But um, my advice in dynasty would be to hold. I would probably still have him as like a top 120, top 130 prospect for dynasty right now. If that maybe gives you a better idea of sort of where I'm at on him from a value standpoint, but. Uh, I understand if you don't want to be patient with him. By the way, the uh, the Padres got to Herman Marquez a bit with Marquez dealing with a, a touch of the diarrhea yesterday, I read. Um, just a touch, Tony. Uh, that's a classic Artie Bucco line, by the way. Uh, now, the, now the Padres down 3-0 right now today, so they're on the verge of getting swept in cores. Oh, they're in danger of that. So the Reds, you know. <laughs> close this gap. The Padres pitching looks so good on paper, but missing out on Scherzer at the deadline. Now you're throwing out Arietta and the like. I, think, I like the Reds' chances here of uh, hunting down that second have, wild. Have you have you given up on the division? Oh yeah, Brewers yeah. have run away. I was thinking about how they had the Reds had a chance to get Willie Adames, and I kind of scoffed at giving up Antone for him. See, you know, this is a humbling game. See how shows how much I know. Uh, Antone's obviously been hurt for a long time, and Adamus is like borderline NL MVP since he came over. Uh, the second part of David Scott's question, by the way, was: Will Jose Miranda get the call this year? Um, May, you know, maybe. Um, it. The thing is, is I don't really see a spot. Like the the twins didn't trade everyone they wanted to trade at the deadline. I mean, I just I don't think there were takers for Josh Donaldson. And the twins have to add Miranda to the forty man this offseason. Um, so there's there's a lot of things at, at play here. Uh I don't really think he's learning anything at triple A at this point. I mean, he just continues to be red hot there. So it's it's possible he gets the call when rosters expand in September, but I mean they don't. It's not like they have this like obvious spot where, you know, maybe you could argue they should just stop playing Angleton Simmons. I mean he's he's uh <laughs> seems like kind of kind of a loser at this point. Um, but you know I, I don't know if there's an obvious spot for Miranda to play, um, which is part of the reason why he's 
still down there. Uh, but I, I'd say it's like 50-50 we see him this year. Woody here has kind of an open-ended question. What are your thoughts on Delvin Perez, Otto Lopez, Oscar Gonzalez, Luis Matos, Austin Shenton? Probably don't have time to dive into every single one of those guys, but anything you want to mention there with that group? Uh, Luis Matos is awesome and should not be lumped in with these guys. Uh, Delvin Perez is like borderline big leaguer. Otto Lopez is a potentially really good utility player. Oscar Gonzalez has a really impressive bat, but his lack of patience might uh, limit him to like fourth outfielder duty. And Austin Shenton, I think, is, you know, he's going to be like a platoon bat um, at best. Ian Strato wants to know, has Tristan McKenzie truly turned a corner? I mean, I think he kind of has, because if you look at the velocity for him, uh, it was it was he's up like over a mile an hour on the fastball from earlier in the year. He scrapped his change up. He's been just fastball slider curve. Um, so, I mean, th- there are tangible things he's doing differently lately. So, and with a guy like him, you know, part of the concern with a guy who just is that slight physically is you just, you don't necessarily know where that fastball velocity is going to be from start to start or even month to month. Now we had a pod a few weeks ago talking about all the moves at the deadline, the prospects traded at the deadline. So go, I recommend going back and checking that out for uh, more on those prospects moved. But there were a couple questions about the return the Cubs got for um, uh, the Cubs at, with their sell-off and in the Darvish deal. Any updates on on those prospects for the Cubs? Yeah, just uh, just quickly. Um, I mean, the two best guys they got at the deadline this year are Pete Crow Armstrong and Kevin Alcantara. Uh, they're both really impressive. Um, Pete Crow is probably my favorite of the two. Uh, Reginald Preciado is a stud. I mean, he's a legit headliner for a guy like Darvish, even though a lot of people didn't realize it at the time. And then Owen Casey is a legit second piece in a deal like that. Um, that's, those are, those are kind of the two big guys, um, from the Darvish uh, deal. So all four of those guys I mentioned, they're going to be probably top 200 prospects. Preciado is already a top 25 prospect. So. Uh, the Cubs are, are really stacking up in a hurry. Players over teams has a question here. Great name, by the way, players over teams. Um, kind of a philosophical question. Do you put a higher value on elite prospects that don't fit your contention window or top 100 MLB players that do fit your window? I think you go uh, for the, it right now. But. Yeah, I think you go, you, you got to play to your contention window. I mean, yeah. if you're, if you're, if you just have an embarrassment of riches and you're able to hold elite prospects uh, while you're trying to contend, that's great. But I mean, you can't not win your league because you're not willing to part with your best prospects. Uh, you have to, if, if it's your time to win the league, you got to be willing to move on from guys who don't fit your contention window. Yeah. And those things, even the top prospects far from a sure thing. So yeah, you gotta, gotta push your chips in at some point. Eric Knowles asks, interested, uh, well, he says, interested in your view on Randy Vasquez and Freddie Tarnock. James, do you have any thoughts on those two? Vasquez is going to be uh, – Sounds like Turok, by the way. Dinosaur hunt. Turok. (laughs) Do you remember that game? No. Sorry. Um, I'm not surprised you don't. 
Vasquez is going to be a addition to the top 400. Um, honestly, might even be inside the top 200. I, I really like Randy Vasquez. He's a righty in the Yankees system. Uh, his his breaking ball is just really nasty. Um, and then Tarnock, I, he won't be on the top 400. I have more reliever concerns with Tarnock long-term, but he has moved himself from like an afterthought in that Red Sox system to a guy who, you know, he'd probably be in like the 400 to 500 range if I went that deep. Then Gus Durst asks, where would Pedro Leone have gone in the draft? That's an interesting question. Well, I think the big question is, are we talking about Pedro Leone before he debuted or like Pedro Leone right now? Because I think if, if we're talking about Pedro Leone right now, based on what he showed at double A, uh, I think he might be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, but I think, you know, the Astros had more intel on him than the rest of the teams when they signed him. So if you just go back to like when he signed, I think he'd be, you know, maybe a mid first rounder back then. You talked a lot about how the Giants system has really beefed up and Daniel Velasquez asks, is Jairo Pomares the best overall hitting prospect in that Giants system? No, it's it's Luis Matos. Um, Marco Luciano is the best uh, position player prospect. I mean, the power that he has is just out of this world. Uh, Matos has one of the best hit tools in the minors, though. I mean, he he might be seventy grade on the hit tool. At, you know, I think that's what I'd say. That's what I project right now. Um, at least that. And Pomaris, you know, his numbers are really inflated right now. Uh, he's also like a year and a half older than than Matos. Um, Matos has a better track record of hitting at age appropriate levels. So uh, Pomaris has done a lot to improve his stock this season. But it's Matos is the best hitter in that system. Eric Costantini wants to know, would you drop Drew Waters for Michael Harris or Hedbert Perez? Yeah, I'd drop him for, for either guy. I prefer Perez. I think he's got um, a higher ceiling, uh, more of an upward trajectory. Uh, but, I mean, both are pretty big upgrades from Waters. Waters, I know, you know, I know he's still young, but there's just a lot that he has to work on right now. Um, and I just, I don't really, he hasn't shown an ability to make adjustments. Like he was using his natural skills to get by in the lower levels and then do a lot of damage. But ever since he got to AAA and in like big league spring training, strikeouts have been a huge issue for waters and his, like he he's hitting the ball on the ground way too much right now. So not only does he kind of have to adjust and he's got um, significant, uh, platoon issues um, where he probably shouldn't be a switch hitter at this point. So there's just a lot Waters has to work on. Um, so I, I would take either guy, but I'd take Perez over over Harris. Wow, pretty big fall from grace. Sounds like for Drew Waters, although not you know not going to write the guy off. But um, yeah, his stock seems to have dipped quite a bit. Now Justin Hughes wants your thoughts on Reds DSL shortstop Leonardo. Balcazar, will he be on your next update? Do you think? Is he a top four hundred guy? Yeah, he will be. Um, Hell yeah, yeah, go Reds. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's I. He will be. Um, when you're looking at Dominican Summer League performances and and pop up guys, um, 
he he checks the boxes you're looking for, right? Like you you want the guy to be 17. Uh, you want the guy to have a bit of physicality to him, like or at least projectable. Because in in the DSL, you'll see a lot of like five nine uh, middle infielders like putting up really impressive stats because they're taking a ton of walks, they're not striking out. Um, but you you know if, if you see a guy who's like six feet tall, like Balcazar, who is seventeen years old, uh, who's striking out. Ideally, you're striking out less than 20% of the time in the DSL. Um, it's you, like a guy being under 30% in the DSL, like that's not that impressive. I mean, it's kind of scary if you're close to 30. Um, but he's he's one of the youngest guys in that league. Uh, he's stealing bases. He's hitting for power. Like he, he's checking a ton of boxes um, for a DSL guy. Uh, I will say I would – there is a Brewers prospect who was playing in the DSL – uh, Henry Mendez, who got the bump to the ACL, who I would take over Balcazar. Uh, Mendez will be ranked higher than him on the upcoming update, but uh, Balcazar will be, you know, he'll probably be pushing around the 250 range or so. Um, so a really nice pop-up guy for the Reds. That's encouraging to hear. Now, this is completely unrelated, but you know I've been on this uh, Sopranos kick, James. Leonardo, Leonardo reminded me of Phil Leotardo. <laughs> it reminded me of a random thing I came across recently. Did you know the guy who played Philip Leotardo, Frank Vincent, was actually the official acting coach to rappers DMX, Nas, and Method Man? Wow. Just a random thing. Phil Leotardo. No more of this, that's, Butchie. That's, no more of this. I mean, Frank Vincent has really had some legendary scenes over the years. Yeah. Could you imagine him coaching up like DMX and Nas? I just thought that was cool. They probably loved it. Oh, I bet they loved Frank Vincent. Um, now, Dan Miller asks, how are you parsing real changes from the long layoff versus small sample noise in 2021? That's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy with pitching prospects because, like, you, you can just grade a pitching prospect based on their current stuff, and you don't, it doesn't even matter what a pitching prospect did a year ago. If, if their stuff's good now, that's all that matters. Um, with hitters – like I think Anthony Volpe is a, a great example of like, you know, a uh, the sample size this year is already bigger than the rest of his career's sample. So I think we can pretty safely weigh this much more heavily than anything he did before. Um, and he's also just that type of guy where, he was going to mature physically um, over that year and, and kind of grow into to some power like he has. Um, so you can buy into it a lot more. It's not the guys where I'm more skeptical is if they had, if it's a hitter and they had like multiple years of poor performance prior to the shutdown. And now they're like oldish for their level and they're just really performing, but you know, there's some strikeouts there. Like that's, that's kind of where you're sort of like, eh, you know, I don't know about that. Um, but I mean, really it's like, how well is the guy controlling the strike zone? Um, how old is the guy? Like, is he, is he at the right level? Like, and he's controlling the strike zone and he's performing. Then all of a sudden I think you have something. Um, I'd also recommend using our hard hit data. I think that that's a, a good way of sort of telling whether or not a guy is doing damage at a sustainable level as he moves up the ladder. But 
Um, you know, it's a, it's a really good question. It's probably too long to give a full answer here. All right, we got our final two questions we'll get to here then. Scott Green actually has a two-parter, so make it three questions. But uh, is Raynell Espinal too old? And the second part of Scott's question was, who's the next legit Rockies hitting prospect he can catch at Hartford? Espinal. Yeah, um, Espinal is probably too old. Um, he's 29. He's a triple A. He's been passed over in – a half dozen rule five drafts. So like, I mean, big league teams could have had him at, at any point. Um, he's kind of just floating around. Maybe he could be a long reliever or something like that. Uh, as for uh, who's the next Rockies guy that's going to go to double a that Scott can check out. Um, you know, Zach Veen, Ezekiel Tovar. Uh, those are their top two hitting prospects. So, I mean, that, that's that's what I would suggest. I mean, they have some interesting guys uh, in the rookie levels, but uh, that's we're talking a couple years down the road. And the Rockies are kind of notorious for sort of slow playing their hitting prospects, anyways. So uh, you'll you'll probably see Zach Veen, Scott, and, and Ezekiel Tovar before you see anyone else. No. And finally, from Taylor Bauer, wants to know what do you think of Juan Yepes. Yeah, I mean, he's probably just an up-and-down corner guy. Like, maybe he gets some look as a DH um, next year, but he's a like a first – he's limited to first base, and they've obviously got first base covered. Uh, he's got power. I don't think he's got really anything besides the power, and he's right-handed, so he might be short side platoon. Um, his, his hard hit data isn't that impressive. So, I mean, he's just, he's kind of like an extra corner guy who's going to float around. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for chipping in questions. That was great stuff. Thanks for the insight, James. Uh, anything you want to add before we get to our latest walk-up songs this week? No, I, uh, I know there's some, some questions we didn't get to, uh, apologize for that, but I just, thanks again to everyone for all the great questions. Yeah, that was really good, and some names that I was unfamiliar with. We look forward to that next update, James. That'll be great. Um, my song this week is uh, one that's probably, you know, probably have to go with just the instrumental version if I were actually using it as a walk-up song. Mac Dre's I'm In Motion. Have you ever heard that, James? Uh, Re- no, I haven't. The reason I say it probably would have to be uh, – just the instrumentals, because this is on the short list of great songs recorded from a jail cell slash prison cell, you know, nice. over the phone. There haven't been too many of those. Uh, <laughs> not a lot, you know, it's it's hard to have a good song when you're rapping over, did, you know, Did Shine phone. do that? Shine did do that, yes. Shine had one of the great ones. Um, I forget what the name of the song was, but yes, Shine definitely had one. And I, I want to think- say Pac had one. Yeah, I, I mean, I know Pac wrote a lot in jail. I yeah, can't maybe he didn't he recorded in jail. But I'm in motion, Mac Dre. You can't really tell what he's saying throughout most of the song because he's <laughs> singing over a, a cell phone, or a, not a cell phone, just a phone from prison. Uh, but a great beat, a great song, and one of the first Mac Dre songs I've ever heard. Plus, I didn't have a Mac Dre song, I don't think, on my playlist yet. Thank you, by the way, to Andrew Redding. But I'm a big Mac Dre fan. Rest in peace, Mac Dre. And uh, I'm in motion. Really good, good track. 
All right, mine is going to be um, Who's Playing Games by Nate Dog. Ooh, off nice. Of, off of G-Funk Classics Volume 1 and Volume 2. Um, love love that double disc. Um, you know, it's not not always rap on that one. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of singing, a lot of a lot of crooning, but uh, that that beat on Who's Playing Games is is it's a really good beat um some really good one-liners in there and uh that's had to get some had to get some uh solo nate dog on the playlist i love it you know we're kind of coming up to the end of the the season which means the end of the every every week five days a week uh rotowire baseball pod so this playlist kind of coming to an end it's kind of kind of sad but we'll have to think of one for next year and uh, round this one out in a strong fashion. This has been one of our better playlists, I think in the end I've, uh, I've even been on Spotify listening quite a bit. Well, James, great stuff. Anything else? By the way, I think Nate dog kind of, it just hit me that he kind of set the table for one of my favorites, Devin, the dude, Devin kind of bit. I mean, everyone, everyone owes Nate dog a little. Yeah. Especially given what he did on, on hooks. Like he just changed the game. Hip hop hooks. Completely, but he was so much more than that too, Nate. Anything else on your mind, James? You want to mention? No, just uh, tune in tomorrow to me and uh, Chris Welsh, and uh, look for that. Uh, I'm really proud of this next top 400 update. Like I put a ton of work into it. I think it's going to be really useful, and I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be available in your dynasty leagues that you can go scoop up. So uh, just look for that next week and, and check out the pod with Chris and I tomorrow. Yeah, you should be proud of the work you do, man. And we will look forward to that. We'll look forward to the update. Talk soon. I hope you'll join us next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast sponsored by WinBet.
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.